We start today in Argentina, where Trumpian far right candidate Javier Milei has become the next president of Argentina. As many of you know, I was born in Argentina, have family, friends there. And as is often the case in Argentina, in last night's runoff, both options were terrible. I don't even want to say bad and even worse because I don't know which one is even worse. One who would definitely continue destroying the country and the other who almost certainly would continue or would continue destroying the country. Let's discuss what happened. As some of you know, because you saw it on the bonus show, Argentina had its initial presidential election in October, failing to secure a majority. The top two candidates went into a runoff, which took place yesterday. And with uh, almost all of the votes counted as BBC reports, the right winger Javier Milei, 56 percent, his left wing rival Sergio Massa with 44 percent. This guy Milei is uh, sort of the, the, the kind of cult like, you know, there's a cult of personality around him. He is Trump like in that way. He is Trump like in that we have seen right wing media figures like Tucker Carlson make their pilgrimages to him in Argentina in the same way that they did to Trump. This guy is genuinely nuts, but the alternative Massa, which would have been a continuation of the failed Kirchner style regimes, would also have been a disaster. The options were and it's a horrible situation in Argentina. It really is triple digit inflation, no path out of the economic disaster that has been taking place there for so long. The options were Sergio Massa, which would have continued the corruption and self enrichment and uh, failed policies that led to this hyperinflation. That's one option saying you made it a disaster. Let's reward you by electing another one of your candidates or a cartoonish far right lunatic who says he's going to dollarize the economy in a way that no economist says is possible is doing the Republican type thing of saying, I'm going to eliminate 10 entire departments. We'll get to that in a moment. So uh, bad no matter what. Now, was there a reasonable candidate? I mean, listen, the standards are very different. Um, but in, in my view, the kind of reasonable candidate, less overtly corrupt and less obviously insane was a sort of Romney-esque center-right candidate Bullrich, who came in third place in the general election, ultimately endorsed Millet, which, you know, the guy's out of his mind. So as usual, mediocre and terrible options for people to choose from. And this is uh, almost certainly not going to go well. Here is to give you a sense of this guy. Here is Millet completely losing his mind on stage. screaming liberty. And I mean, his his dancing makes Trump look completely normal. Here is the style video that Millet put out during his campaign. And again, this is very Trump like listing entire departments that he would eliminate. OK, so he says Ministry of Sports and Tourism done. Uh, Ministry of Culture done. Yeah, environment and sustainable develop development out. So this is the Trump like thing where they go. We don't need the Department of Education. We don't need the EPA. We don't need all of this sort of stuff. So public works ministry out ministry of uh, uh, it was something like women's um, women's and gender diversity or something. It's all out. They're going to cancel everything. So this is going to, <laughs> you, you know, the incredible thing about this is that we now are seeing the Trumpification of Latin America as well. We started seeing the reason this is relevant globally is that uh, I have no delusions that Argentina is some kind of economic uh, superpower, but we started to see the Trumpification of Europe years ago 
And now we are seeing that it has reached uh, it has reached Latin America. It has reached Argentina. So we will see what happens. Um, they are going to make attempts, I guess, to do some of the things that he said he would do. He has this idea of dollarizing Argentina. Argentina's currency is the Argentinian peso, and it's increasingly worth less and less. It went from being worth toilet paper to being worth like used toilet paper and, and, and down from there. His idea is we will dollarize, meaning we will essentially just use the dollar, peg our currency to the dollar one to one. This has been tried. It was tried in 2001 and it failed for a bunch of different reasons. You can find 10 different economists. They will have 10 slightly different explanations as to why it failed. But Argentina essentially gave up control of its currency. They were unable to adjust to economic mismatches with the United States by saying we're going to do a one to one with the U.S. It led to even more economic turmoil, public unrest, worsened the debt crisis. It didn't work. Millet's idea, as I understand it, and it's like a Jordan Peterson type cult around him, where if you explain that something he suggested doesn't make sense, his supporters come out of the woodwork and viciously tell you you're too stupid to understand his plan. Well, his plan is explained in a different way every time. But as I understand it, he would dollarize at half the current peso dollar exchange rate, which doesn't make any sense. And every serious economist I've read says it will not happen. It could not happen. So the Trumpification of Argentina, um, I'm, I'm expecting to be there in a few months and uh, we will see on the ground what it is that takes place. But very, very scary stuff. Nikki Haley continues to surge as Mike Pence has dropped out, as Tim Scott has dropped out. I believe that if it is not to be Donald Trump, Nikki Haley is the only serious Republican primary challenger remaining. Let's look at some of the numbers. As you can see here, um, Mike Pence is now gone from our uh, chart, I guess we would call it. Tim Scott is still there and will soon be removed. The person who is benefiting from the ones and twos dropping out is Nikki Haley, who has now gone nearly 11 X in her support, launching her campaign at one percent. She is now about to reach 11 percent and she is positioned to take over the second place spot from Ron DeSanctimonious very, very soon with the elimination of a number of candidates. Trump is still between 58 and 60. He's he's not gaining from these folks going away. DeSantis continues to be between 13 and 15. But it is Nikki Haley who now you can see in the bottom right, the dark red line continues to surge. Vivek Ramaswamy is dead in the water. Hilariously, last week when we interviewed Vivek, he said he's he's right where he wants to be at four <laughs> percent. It's crazy. Anyway, so I, he's going to be allowed to stay there. That's for sure. Uh, but Ramaswamy's done at four point seven. Chris Christie has no shot. Tim Scott has dropped out. Everybody else is under one percent. So Nikki Haley is the one person positioned if something happens with Trump, what that would be. I don't know. He dies. Uh, he is so humiliated in court as his trials start that Republicans say, hey, this is kind of embarrassing. Let's vote for someone else. It is only Nikki Haley who I believe is in a position to do something here. Now, what about in early primaries? Well, if you look at the Iowa caucus polling, Nikki Haley is still in third place, but is very close to Ron DeSantis. 1713 DeSantis is ahead of Haley. Of course, Trump at 47 in the state of Iowa. In New Hampshire, another early primary, Nikki Haley is actually in second place. DeSantis actually losing badly in New Hampshire. In New Hampshire, you have it as Trump 45, Haley 19 and surging, Chris Christie 11 and DeSantis 7. So one possible path forward for Nikki Haley that is being discussed is that she overperforms even these numbers in New Hampshire. Imagine for a moment that the polling is more or less like this. In fact, 
I think Nikki Haley will probably be in the 20s by the time this election happens because she is surging. But imagine that the polling going into the New Hampshire primary is, I don't know, call it Trump 42, Nikki Haley 21. And then imagine that Haley overperforms. And at the end of the day, it's Haley 27 and Trump 36. That is close enough to justify Nikki Haley staying in this race. We then would go to South Carolina, her home state. Now, again, as of this moment, Nikki Haley's in second place in South Carolina. It's Trump 49, Nikki Haley 19, DeSantis 10. However, that includes nine points for Tim Scott because we don't have polling from South Carolina yet that involves Tim Scott leaving the race. I would guess Nikki gets most of Tim Scott's support. They're both from South Carolina. Imagine that Nikki gets seven of Scott's nine that pushes her to 26. And if they go into this 49, 26, she does well in New Hampshire. Maybe that pushes her to 33 and pulls Trump down to 37. Again, a strong showing from Nikki. Maybe he, she can justify staying in even further. This is the most optimistic scenario for Nikki Haley, but it's at least a path to something something that DeSantis doesn't have. He's getting crushed even in his home state of Florida and something that none of the other Republican candidates have. Vivek is talking about, you know, we hope to finish in the top three in Iowa. Well, if you look at the polling, he's losing to Tim Scott, who's not even in this race anymore. Uh, So I don't see any path for anybody else. If I were a betting man, I'm still betting that Trump ultimately becomes the nominee. But if you want to make a case that anybody here should stay in, it's Nikki Haley. Let me know your thoughts. There has been one more Republican debate scheduled on December. Early December, I think it's two weeks from now, December 6th, it will be a News Nation debate. My goal is to cover that. Uh, that will be I, I really do think that will finally be the, the, the last debate. Trump not expected to appear. Let me know. Do you see at least the hypothetical path for Nikki Haley that I see or is it over? Let me know your thoughts. We'll take a quick break and the show continues. Our sponsor Aura Frames makes amazing, vibrant digital picture frames, which are a lot different from the digital frames of years ago where you're fumbling for memory cards and USB drives and sticks and cables. Instead, with Aura Frames, everything is done seamlessly over Wi-Fi. Before you give the frame to someone as a gift, you can load photos onto it without even opening the package. So when the recipient opens it, your photos are there. I've given both my parents these as gifts. We set my girlfriend's parents up with one. We put pictures of the baby on there. We're traveling and we photograph the baby and it pops up. They just love it. And now they and I can add more pictures to it, take pictures off that we don't want anymore. And one of the coolest parts is that the photo storage on the cloud is completely unlimited. After you set up your aura frame, you'll see why they were named the number one digital frame by The New York Times, Wired and others from now through Cyber Monday. Aura is having their best deal of the year. You'll get $40 off the best selling Carver mat frame. Go to AuraFrames.com slash Pacman. Use the code Pacman. That's A-U-R-A frames.com slash Pacman. And you'll get $40 off the Carver mat frame when you use code Pacman. The info is in the podcast notes. One of our sponsors today is BetterHelp. Uh, viewers of the show, listeners know I'm a big advocate of therapy. Uh, I think it's important to make it more accessible, remove any stigma that might be associated. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. And therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. BetterHelp is therapy done entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. Fill out a brief questionnaire. You'll be matched with a licensed therapist. Switch therapists anytime at no additional charge. I'm a huge believer in talk therapy and BetterHelp is making it more accessible to more people. 
You can even find a therapist who specializes in certain areas, which maybe you can't find where you are geographically. There are lots of great benefits to doing therapy online. Get it off your chest. Visit BetterHelp. Go to betterhelp.com slash Pacman show today to get 10% off your first month. That's better. H E L P.com slash Pacman show. The link is in the podcast notes. If you're someone who ever suffers from nausea, I know a number of people who do check out our sponsor relief band. This is the number one anti nausea wristband that can quickly relieve and effectively prevent nausea. Many people use relief band for nausea from anxiety or from migraines, uh, car sickness, planes, boats. Former producer Lewis can tell you a little bit about car and planes. Relief band is super simple, fast acting. It'll last as long as you need it to last. It's 100 percent drug free, no side effects. And this was originally developed to be used in hospitals. Relief bands patented technology can turn off the feeling of nausea. It's a type of therapy called transdermal neuromodulation acustimulation. In simple terms, it's just a small band you wear on your wrist sends a gentle pulse to the part of your nervous system that regulates nausea. There's good research showing relief band can help with nausea from motion sickness, pregnancy from certain medications. And a bunch of studies suggest that relief band can help with nausea after surgery in combination with medication. Relief band has an A plus rating from the Better Business Bureau, over 100,000 satisfied customers online. See if relief band can help you kick nausea. Go to reliefband.com, use the code PACMAN at checkout for 20% off plus free shipping. The info is in the podcast notes. The David Pacman Show continues to be made possible by our audience. We have this thing called the membership program. And if you like this show, we provide more show to our members every single weekday after the regular show. There's the bonus show where I am joined by producer Pat. We talk about more of the goings on uh, in the United States and around the world. Lots of other great member perks and benefits. And you can sign up and avail yourself of all of it at joinpacman.com. Ron DeSantis is refusing to condemn Elon Musk's endorsement of a disgustingly anti-Semitic conspiracy theory. CNN's Jake Tapper interviewed Ron DeSantis, not exactly a profile in courage. Ron DeSantis taking the I just haven't seen it. I don't know. But I know that Twitter has been treated very, very unfairly. We're going to take a look at a couple of clips. He insists that he hasn't seen it. And um, Jake Tapper shows it to him and he still goes, yeah, I just I just don't know. I don't know. Uh, Here's the first clip. Something happened the other day that uh, I wondered what you thought about because you launched your campaign on Twitter, now known as X. And right now, major companies such as Apple and Disney are pulling their ads from X because Elon Musk uh, openly endorsed this anti-Semitic conspiracy theory uh, that Jews uh, are conspiring to replace white Americans (laughs) with minority immigrants. Right. Um, I wondered if you saw the comment and if you condemn it. Uh, I did not see the comment. Um, and so I know that Elon has had a target on his back. Every- he's the victim, guys. Elon's the victim. Since he purchased Twitter, uh, because I think he's taking it in a direction that a lot of people um, who are used to controlling the narrative don't like. Uh, so uh, I was a big supporter of him purchasing Twitter. Uh, I think they're obviously still working some stuff out, but I, but I did not see those comments. All right. Yep. They're working out whether it's a good look from the standpoint of retaining advertisers for the owner of the company to signal boost anti-Semitic conspiracy theories that date back essentially thousands of years in some way, shape or form. So um, here is Jake Tapper attempting again to get him to answer something about it. So I do think on the institutional side, uh, you've seen this become part of a left wing movement, a very significant pro Hamas movement, uh, and it is backed by institutional power. Yeah, I. Absolutely. Uh, Jewish students, uh, just like Muslim students, black students, gay students, any uh, all students should feel safe on campuses. And the the concern Jewish students have right now is very serious. I'm just saying Elon Musk is a pretty powerful guy and he's out there endorsing uh, some pretty hideous uh, anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. And I'm I still haven't heard you condemn it. 
Well, because I haven't seen it. I know you tried to read. I have no idea what the context is. Uh, I know Elon Musk. Uh, I- there could be context which would explain away arguing that such an anti-Semitic conspiracy theory was actually not an anti-Semitic thing to agree with. There, there could be missing context there. We need the context, as we know. Never seen him do anything. Uh, I think he's a he's a guy that. All right. And something very, very extraordinarily glitchy here. Anyway, refusing to condemn. him. So what's the what exactly is going on here? There, there's two different things going on here. First of all, DeSantis has a campaign that is dead. And at this point, I really don't know that there's that much that you need to preserve by saying, oh, I don't know. I, I didn't see it. I, I don't condemn it. I don't know. Uh, it, the campaign is dead and there's no real utility to not answering. I guess maybe he thinks in some way staying on uh, Elon Musk's good side is going to be helpful or something along those lines. As far as DeSantis being a complete and total coward when it comes to this sort of thing, that's not new. That shouldn't surprise us. You might remember that in January of last year, um, there were neo-Nazi demonstrators that were at DeSantis events. And DeSantis was just asked to condemn them. And he said that it was a way to smear him, to ask him to condemn it. Now, only if you are unwilling to condemn it, is that a way to smear you? You know, I I, every time this happens, I'm reminded of when I interviewed the white nationalist Richard Spencer. And I, I said to him, hey, I heard you don't condemn Adolf Hitler. Will you condemn Hitler? And he goes, oh, you know, I'm not going to play that game. And, you know, do you condemn this? Do you condemn that? I mean, David, do do you condemn Pol Pot? And I said, yes, I do. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not really a game. It's it's just the idea that it's a game or a smear to just say, hey, do you condemn this thing that's absolutely disgusting? That's a classic move from people who don't want to condemn absolutely horrible things. So no surprise there. And, and then maybe sort of lastly, We are going to talk at some point this week, maybe on the podcast, maybe on the bonus show about what's going on with X, the platform formerly known as Twitter. Elon Musk has become Trump in a particular way, which is he is the ultimate victim. The new thing now is Elon Musk said he's going to be launching. I think he called it a thermonuclear lawsuit against I'm not even sure who I guess people that are smearing the platform as allowing disgusting content, he believes that all of these advertisers that are canceling are uh, being lied to and sort of coerced or tricked into canceling ad campaigns. The reality is, if you look at what's happening on the platform and I'm barely on it, I went on again yesterday to just sort of see like what's on the platform. What am I missing by not really being on Twitch on Twitter? Um, And I saw nothing of value. The good stuff that's on there. I'm I'm able to get elsewhere and it's mostly a cesspool signal boosting uh, uh, right wing content, conspiracy theories, even ads for products that seem extraordinarily dishonest and immoral. So good luck to Elon Musk. I don't think that that lawsuit is going to get very far. Donald Trump spoke in Fort Dodge, Iowa over the weekend, and I have never seen such a humiliating event. Trump talking about how he's not into being urinated on in a sexual manner. This is an allegation that continues to plague Trump, but he assures the crowd in Iowa he is not into it. This is not something that he is into. This is a former president, bright orange, talking about so-called golden showers in what was described as a high school gymnasium. Take a listen to this. Oh, boy. And the video is glitching. We're going to get it. I assure you. He was with four hookers. You think that was good that night to go up and tell my wife? It's not true, darling. I love you very much. It's not true. Actually, that one she didn't believe because she said he's a germaphobe. He's not into that, you know. He's not into golden showers, as they say they call that. He's not. I don't like that idea. No, I didn't. I thought that would be a big problem. I was going to have a rough night, but that one she was very good on. She said no. Trump expected that it was going to be a really tough night with Melania. 
because of the golden showers allegation. This is a 77 year old former president of the United States. This is what he has been reduced to talking about on the world stage of his 2024 campaign. You know, one thing that is a bad idea for Trump to be talking about is taking over the Capitol again after what happened on January 1st of 2021. Trump shouldn't be talking about taking over the Capitol, but he's talking again about taking over the Capitol and clean up, renovate and rebuild our capital city so that it no longer is a nightmare of murder and crime. Last night, three people were killed, but rather it will become the most beautiful capital anywhere in the world. We're going to take over the Capitol and we're going to make it beautiful and we're going to make it safe. We're going to make it great. Well, you know, the last time Trump and his supporters took over the Capitol, it was a really bad thing. This is not the line that I would be going with Donald Trump explaining that he had a disease named after him, so-called Trump derangement syndrome. We can't. can't. Every sane person without what they call Trump derangement syndrome, you know what that is? It's a great honor. I had a disease named after me. Trump derangement syndrome wants to get back to how great we had it under the Trump administration. We had (laughs) Uh, there are other diseases that come to mind when I think of Donald Trump, but this is not a medical show, so we're not going to dig into that. Almost reflexively, Donald Trump again talking about the fierce and strong nature of the Chinese dictatorial authoritarian leader, President Xi. He just can't seem to get away from being enamored with this guy to do. He walked up with a man who looks like a piece of granite, right? He's strong like granite. He's strong. I know him very well. President Xi of China. And he's standing there. Uh, You know, he's a fierce. He's a fierce person. Now, the press doesn't like it when I say good things about. But, you know, what can I say? He runs one point four billion people. What can I say? I'm enamored with the guy. We have love letters with an iron hand. And they say, oh, he said good things about him. No, he happens to be a very smart person. If I say a certain leader is smart, that's controlling a big part of the world. The press gets upset that I say smart because that's a good thing. No, no. Very smart people. These are very smart people, but they're dealing with very stupid people. Right. Our leader, our leader is a stupid person. Our leader. Nothing more American than insulting the president of the United States while calling the authoritarian leader of China strong like granite and very smart. Remember, America first. Don't forget America first. Donald Trump attempting to take credit for getting a whole bunch of different people elected in Iowa. The problem with the story you're about to hear is it doesn't match up with the facts, which will not come as a shock to many. They get a lot. I got you. I got a lot of guys elected right here, including Grassley, who was having a problem and including Joni Ernst, who had a big problem. Could you do could you do, sir, a rally for me in Iowa? Absolutely. You think it's easy to come all the way from wherever the hell I am and do a rally in front? I got him elected. Remember that the only problem with this story is that the more Trump helped Chuck Grassley, the smaller and smaller the share of the vote that Grassley got was Grassley in 2010 pre Trump got 64 percent of the vote in 2016. He got 60 percent of the vote. And with Trump's help in 2022, he got only 56 percent of the vote. So it appears as though Trump is hurting Chuck Grassley, not helping Chuck Grassley. Trump touting some kind of book, I guess. And any time Trump talks about books, it's funny because Trump doesn't read something that's great. Uh, They want me to tell you to go out and sign up. We have a book here, beautiful book. Look at this book, how beautiful that is. See, you read pictures. But it basically you can read the pictures as you sign up and you become a cook or something you can become. OK, so Trump talking about, I guess, the caucus book. Um, and then finally, 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 Trump unable to get out of the high school gym in Fort Dodge, Iowa, without hitting the issue 
of trans athletes. As we know, the foremost issue on the minds of Americans. No, the whole thing is crazy. The swimmers are being, the records are being broken at levels. And you know, it's very demeaning to women, actually. Right. Very demeaning to women. But I love women athletes. I love women athletes. But they, they shouldn't be allowed. I think it's dangerous in many cases. And in some cases, it's just unfair. Uh, the sad part is that a lot of women, they know this, and they don't want to talk about it because, you know, we're in like this communist regime nowadays where you're not allowed to speak the truth on elections yep. or on things like that. Uh, As you know, Trump's speech has been so limited over the last many years. Trump doesn't really give a speech. He kind of tells imaginary stories, some of them off of his teleprompter that paint a picture of a completely imaginary alternate reality that doesn't really exist. That is exactly what Trump did in a high school gym in Iowa over the weekend. And stunningly, stunningly, people are still going and showing up to this stuff and waiting all day to hear from the guy. Donald Trump lost it over the weekend when he learned that Joe Biden is not going to be criminally charged for his classified documents situation. This really really triggered Donald Trump. I will tell you uh, a little bit about uh, what we learned. Trump reacts in disgust after Biden sees no charges in documents case. Biden is expected to face a critical report over his handling of some documents, but no charges in that special counsel probe into the handling of classified documents. Donald Trump taking to truth social truth essential and posting in all capital letters, quote, wow, fake news. CNN through a leak from the Department of Injustice has just reported that no charges will be filed in the much bigger than mine crooked Joe Biden documents case. We are living in a very corrupt country. Now, I find it as entertaining as the next guy or gal that Donald Trump is so wildly triggered by the fact that Joe Biden isn't going to be facing charges. Now, the story that Trump is, is telling and other Republicans are telling is that this is because the charges against Trump are completely trumped up, for lack of a better term, by a politically biased Justice Department at the direction of Joe Biden. The reality is that there are some critical material differences between Trump's classified document situation and that of Joe Biden. First and foremost, Trump says Biden's case is way, way bigger than Trump's. That is a lie by any stretch of how you might measure it. First of all, Trump's case involves documents with highly sensitive national security information. Joe Biden's case involves a small number of documents with classified markings not relative, relevant to national security information. The number of documents is staggering when it comes to Trump and not when it comes to Joe Biden. But the most important thing here is that Trump went out of his way not to turn over the documents to authorities and to obstruct the investigation into the documents. This includes everything from directing documents be moved. There was a wild, suspicious flood of the room where the documents were kept. We still don't know. Was that on purpose or not? It all stinks to high heaven. Trump telling his lawyers say things that aren't true about the documents. On the other hand, Joe Biden immediately reported the discovery of these documents, promptly turned them over and completely cooperated with authorities. Trump went out of his way to do the opposite. There is almost no similarity between the two cases. It is not for me to judge when are charges appropriate. The investigators have determined that charges are not appropriate when it comes to Joe Biden. If someone else can present actual evidence for why there should be charges. I'm glad to look at it. I have not seen it thus far, and it is sending Trump for a loop. 30 million trees are destroyed every year for toilet paper in the U.S. alone. So toilet paper is a big contributor to deforestation and climate change. Our sponsor, Real Paper, makes toilet paper from bamboo. Bamboo plants keep growing which means no deforestation. Bamboo also absorbs five times as much carbon from the atmosphere as pine trees. And bamboo toilet paper is stronger than regular toilet paper 
and even softer. So bamboo toilet paper is all around a win for you and for the environment. It's time to move on from that toilet paper from trees that you're using at home. When you use real paper, it doesn't feel like you're sacrificing anything. It's soft and fluffy and they'll ship it to your door in plastic free packaging on a schedule. Super easy with every box of real paper you buy. They are funding reforestation efforts across the country through their partnership with One Tree Planted. So unlike the toilet paper that cuts down trees, real is helping to actively plant them. Go to realpaper.com slash Pacman and use code Pacman for 30 percent off your first order and free shipping. That's R-E-E-L paper.com slash Pacman and then use code Pacman. The info is in the podcast notes. If you sit all day long while you work and you've never tried a desk that can transition between sitting and standing, it really is a game changer. I've had an uplift desk for a while. I use it every day to record the show, prepare for the show, do my office work. I'm sitting at an uplift desk at this very moment, and I've been using uplift desks for many years. We wanted them to be a sponsor and we finally were able to make it happen. Standing while I work helps me get the creative juices flowing. I feel more productive. I'm focused. I'm more alert and it's also healthier. I'm just moving around more. My circulation is better, which is just good for your health. I use the uplift standing desks because they don't wobble. Totally stable, even with all of my show equipment on them. The build quality is just tremendous and you can completely customize the desk by choosing from over a hundred desktop choices, hundreds of accessories. I have a whole bunch of them, including a USB hub and a keyboard tray and all sorts of things. They have free shipping, free returns, free return shipping and an industry leading 15 year warranty. My audience gets 5% off when you go to upliftdesk.com slash Pacman and use the code Pacman. That's U-P-L-I-F-T desk.com slash Pacman. Then use the code Pacman for 5% off. The info is in the podcast notes. 2024 Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley came up with an idea when it comes to social media that some are absolutely crushing her for. But in reality, there are many people on the left who have already uh, proposed such an idea. Some on the right have as well. People like social psychologist Jonathan Haidt have talked about this. So I want to discuss it in some depth. Nikki Haley's idea here is that everyone on social media must provide proof of identification. Take a listen to what she had to say. This is from Fox News over the weekend. When I get into office, the first thing we have to do, social media accounts, social media companies, they have to show America their algorithms. Let us see why they're pushing what they're pushing. The second thing is every person on social media should be verified Mm. by their name. That's first of all, it's a national security threat. When you do that, All of a sudden, people have to stand by what they say, and it gets rid of the Russian bots, the Iranian bots, and the Chinese bots. And then you're going to get some civility when people know their name is next to what they say. Accountability. And they know their pastor and their family member is going to see it. It's going to help our kids, and it's going to help our country. Now, Nikki Haley is correctly identifying an absolute and total reality about social media. Many people would never say on social media the things that they say. The messages I get, I believe what, 90, 95, 98 percent of the truly sick and disgusting messages that I get. I don't believe I would get if people knew that it was known who they were. Now, there are some really important differences between how such a plan could be put in place. And this is where I think a bunch of the controversy is. What Jonathan Haidt has proposed is that individuals can't be anonymous to the platform. You're allowed to use a pseudonym. And some of the right wingers that flipped out about this and left wingers said, you know, what if what if you're a victim of some crime and you're posting about it? Or what if you are an intelligence person who just wants to privately have an account? Why should you need to post under your real name? There's two versions of this. One version of this is you have to post under your real name. Another is to have an account. You have to verify your identity to the platform, but you can still use a pseudonym. So in other words, if I wanted to post under, you know, 
<laughs> I don't know, Tom Brady, seven, eight, five, nine, two, four, six. I could do that. But when I register, I have to prove my real identity to the platform. And then if I do something illegal or whatever, the platform would know who I am. Now, there's a difference between those two things. And there's also a difference between government requiring platforms to do this sort of verification versus platforms deciding for themselves that it's something they want to do. So there's two options there, two options on pseudonyms. This gives us like a two by two grid, as it were, of how something like this could be implemented. Now, let's go through some of the reasons why this could be concerning. It is absolutely true that well-funded intelligence agencies could have the resources to fabricate identities. So you think you're getting rid of the Russian bots or the Chinese trolls or whatever, because you say hey, you got to prove to us that you're a real person in order to post. But some of these really well-funded uh, governments can fabricate identities. They can fabricate IDs. They can have a robust uh, way to fake that these are real people. At the same time, it's sort of like with gun safety regulations. No one rule will fix the entire problem. But if you have a robust verification system, you could do away with a bunch of this problem, but no system would be foolproof for sure. Uh, the other concern would be, you know, if you have a really robust identity verification system, dissidents are going to be placed in difficult and potentially dangerous situations when it comes to speaking out against an oppressive government. People who, for example, spoke out in Egypt during the Arab Spring, if you required identity verification, they might be scared to speak out or, in fact, they could be putting themselves at risk for speaking out. And so that's absolutely a concern and it needs to be weighed in thinking about this. Now, there are some who say that this would be a free speech limitation, that you are quite literally violating people's free speech rights. First of all, if Twitter or Facebook did this, they aren't the government, so they would not be violating anyone's First Amendment rights. Certainly companies can have whatever registration requirements they want. That doesn't violate free speech. The answer here to me is. I'm not sure that social media companies should be forced to do this kind of verification, and I don't think that you should be forced to post under your real name. But it doesn't sound like a bad thing for companies to say, hey, we need to know who you are based on our terms of service. And Height believes social media companies should be asking not only for some kind of identity verification, but also should be uh, doing this in order to make sure that people under a certain age aren't on the platform, because that's really easy to do. You can still post anonymously or pseudonymously, but Twitter should know who you are and make sure that you are of a certain age. Many people on both sides of the political spectrum like that idea. Many people on both sides of the political spectrum don't like that idea. Personally, we have had situations where people threaten me in a credible way on these platforms, not the you're a loser. I hope you don't. I hope I don't run into you on the street. Not talking about that, but we have had real threats on the platform where in some cases it took months for law enforcement to identify the people. In a couple cases, they eventually did showed up at their houses and federal cases were launched against them. But it took an insane amount of work to find people who were just issuing really horrible threats, people who in some cases seem to have both the let's call them the tools to carry out what they were threatening uh, and the motivation. And uh, why why as a society are we making it easier to deal with that? Seems like a problem. Pseudonyms all for it. Anonymous posting. Sure. But there are lots of good arguments for saying the platforms should know who is on those platforms. Let me know your thoughts. Neo Nazis with swastikas marched through Madison, Wisconsin, yelling, There will be blood. Can we now say the guys with the swastikas are anti Semitic or are racist Nazis? Is it fair to say that, or are we still going too far and you don't know what they really believe? Here's a Daily Beast report from Allison Quinn. Neo-Nazis marched through Madison yelling there will be blood. They wore masks, of course. They marched through Madison on Saturday afternoon, waving swastikas, shouting racial slurs and chanting there will be blood. This was two dozen men wearing red shirts, identifying themselves as members of Blood Tribe. This is a white supremacist group that has been trying to make a name for itself since 2021 by targeting Jews, people of color and the LGBTQ community. 
Footage showed them standing in formation, performing a Nazi salute while onlookers mostly mocked them and called them disgusting. They spent about 30 minutes outside the state house. The group reportedly also stopped in front of a local synagogue and uh, chanted Israel is not our friend. Christopher Polhouse, a founder of Blood Tribe, who tried to set up a white supremacist haven in Maine only to ultimately sell the property once it became public, uh, was reportedly in attendance at the march. What did the local official say? Madison Mayor Satya Rhodes Conway said Madison does not want or welcome hate groups like the one that invaded our communities today. I know how disturbing it was to see Nazi symbols openly displayed on our streets. So a few different things that I think are worthy of comment here. First and foremost, I saw some comments saying this is a false flag. These are federal agents or something in informants or whatever. They're there just to make neo Nazis look bad or something. Don't the neo Nazis already look bad? Maybe they meant they're there to make the right wing look bad and make it seem as though the right is neo Nazi or something like that. Uh, no evidence of that whatsoever. We are seeing historic levels of anti Semitism. And as I've said before, if your reaction is it is deserved anti Semitism because of what the Likud party in Israel is doing, that is really whacked. And I encourage you to call me when I take live calls. I would love to speak to you if that's your view. Now, when it comes to what should be done about the anti-Semitism that is exploding in the US, in Germany, in France, in so many different places, I don't actually have an answer. And there have been thousands of years of asking the question, what should we do about anti-Semitism? And to my satisfaction, the question has never really been answered. What we certainly don't need are claims that there isn't really an increase in anti-Semitism or that if you care about supposed liberal values, you shouldn't be concerned with it. That's my real fear. I think it's completely fine to say, hey, you know what? There's anti-Semitism and there's also all this other stuff and we should care about all of it. Totally legit. However, if your motivation for talking about other things when anti-Semitism comes up is your antipathy for Israeli foreign policy or your unwillingness to recognize that anti-Semitism is first and foremost the number one form of religious hate crimes in the United States. Or if you just don't want to recognize what's going on, then I do have a problem uh, with that perspective. But if honest people want to say, OK, this is going on, but I'm not sure what we need to do about it and what the solution should be. That's absolutely a conversation worth having and one that we should be having. So it's disgusting. We're seeing it everywhere. We're seeing it in different forms. Saying I am against the Israeli settlements in the West Bank, that's not anti Semitism. Saying it and making assessments of world Jewry as a result and dismissing anti Semitism because you don't like settlements in the West Bank. That just may be anti-Semitic. And in all honesty, I'm not joking when I say this. If you want to confront me about this, please call in when we take live calls on the Friday show. It'll be on the Wednesday show this week because of the Thanksgiving holiday. I would love to talk to you about it. You might remember that a few years ago the show got hacked and uh, a bunch of money was stolen and we never got it back. But I now have more peace of mind because I'm using Aura. Our sponsor, Aura, is your all in one tool for protecting your online and financial accounts. Aura alerts you anytime your personal information is found on the dark web or data breaches like social security number, login credentials, financial accounts, and you get super fast alerts. If a criminal does something like try to open a bank account in your name or take out a credit card in your name. Aura also lets you instantly lock your Experian credit file with a single click to stop unwanted inquiries into your credit history. Aura will monitor your bank accounts, home and auto titles. All of these things really just safeguard you against fraud of all kinds. Aura even protects your phone by letting you block and screen spam calls and texts. And Aura has parental controls for your kids devices. You can restrict apps or manage screen time. 
set focus time to make sure they're doing homework instead of binging YouTube or whatever the case may be. You can try Aura for free for 14 days at aura.com slash Pacman. That's a u r a dot com slash Pacman. The link is in the podcast notes. No matter your genetics or lifestyle choices as humans, we all share some basic foundational nutritional needs and properly replenishing your nutrients daily is important for gut health stress management, immune system. And that's where our sponsor AG one comes in. AG one is a foundational nutrition supplement. It supports your body's universal needs with something that you can easily absorb and utilize. So instead of a multivitamin or fumbling around with 10 different vitamin bottles, I've just replaced all of it with one scoop of AG one. I get the vitamins, the minerals, the prebiotics, the probiotics, all the stuff I'm looking for. It's delicious. It goes great in a smoothie. You can drink it straight with water like I do in the morning before my famous cappuccino. I've been doing it for years. You're just covering your nutritional basis for the whole day. It's simple. You don't have to buy a bunch of different vitamins. My audience knows I don't advertise miracle solutions and cures, and there's no miracle cure or solution here. It's just a simple product that works that replaces the clumsiness and the cost of a ton of different vitamins. Go to drinkag1.com slash Pacman. You'll get five free travel packs of AG one and a free year's supply of vitamin D, which, as I've said, I take in the winter when there's a lot less sun out. That's drink A is in Adam, G is in green, the number one dot com slash Pacman to get five free travel packs of AG one and a free year supply of vitamin D. The link is in the podcast notes. Disgraced Republican Congressman George Santos will not be running for reelection. But before we even get to that story, I should tell you the latest completely outrageous revelations about his uh, ridiculous uses of campaign funds. I know that this sounds like a joke. It does. The New York Times is reporting how Santos spent donors money, Ferragamo, only fans and Botox Botox House ethics investigators found that Representative George Santos used campaign money on personal spending splurges in the Hamptons and Atlantic City. Uh, <laughs> over just a few days in November, Santos dropped six thousand dollars at Ferragamo, perhaps some of it on red designer sneakers he later wore in Congress. He withdrew $800 in cash at a casino where he liked to play roulette. He paid off his rent. He pulled out another thousand bucks in spending money at an ATM near his apartment in Queens. Um, these are just a fraction of the tens of thousands of dollars or more that he siphoned from unknowing donors for years, propping up the kind of glittering consumer dream he never thought he could have afforded for himself. Trips to the casinos in Atlantic City, purchases at Hermes, regular cosmetic treatments labeled Botox on internal campaign records, even small purchases. He's not spending a ton, but small purchases on OnlyFans, a platform best known for allowing creators to sell explicit photos and videos to subscribers to subscribers. This apparently so sticker, you know, headline spending money on OnlyFans and Botox underlying all of this, a consistent, systematic fraud and level of dishonesty about his past accomplishments or lack thereof, his life, his family, his education, his athletic achievements, his professional achievements, etc. That includes even lying. Think, think about it. He lied about who he was to get people to donate to him. And then with the money that was donated, he used it for things like Botox and OnlyFans rather than for actual campaign expenditures. It's a it's level after level after level of this stuff. Here's a funny video, by the way, on Fox News. Some uh, this was a little while ago. He, he acted all surprised about he only recently learned what OnlyFans was. Little did we know at this point he actually spent money on OnlyFans. Um, speaking of peel, is it true that you have an OnlyFans page and you can peel a banana with your feet? 
I don't have one, and it's, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll indulge you this. I just discovered what OnlyFans was about three weeks ago when it was brought up in a discussion in my office. What do you think? And I was, very, I was oblivious to the whole concept. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, just can't tell the truth. All right. <laughs> um, this seems like a skit, but uh, I don't know that anyone would believe a word that comes out of this guy's mouth. And so where we get to now at the culmination, at the peak of this house of cards that has been built on lies about who he is, lies about what he did, lies about where he was educated, lies about what he did with his campaign donations. After all of it, at the top of this pyramid is the realization that he can't win because he's horrible and that he will not be running for reelection. Let's talk about that next. George Santos, the disgraced, dishonest, delusional, depraved, and I would argue dilapidated Republican congressman from New York will not be running for reelection. Of course, his explanation for why he won't be running is typical. Poor me. I'm the victim sort of stuff, really Trumpian in its nature. Let's take a look at the statement. He put out a tweet on Twitter, which is now called X. So we call them excretions and hard to have a better example of something that would accurately be labeled an excretion than this post where he explains why he's not running. Quote, if there was a single source of source of ethics in the ethics committee, they would not have released this bias report. The committee went to extraordinary lengths to smear myself and my legal team about me not being forthcoming. My legal bills suggest otherwise. It is a disgusting politicized smear that shows the depths of how our federal government has sunk. So, so far, it's the ethics report is bad. Everyone who participated in this grave miscarriage of justice should all be ashamed of themselves. We, the people, desperately need an Article 5 constitutional convention. We're approaching 34 trillion in debt. The government is continuously on the verge of shutdown, blah, blah, blah. The time is now for the states to rise up and commence a, a constitutional convention convention. I've come to expect vitriol like this from political opposition, but not from the hallowed halls of public service. I will remain steadfast in fighting for my rights and for defending my name in the face of adversity. I am humbled yet again and reminded that I am human and have flaws, but I will not stand by as I am stoned. He's stoned now by those who have flaws themselves. I will continue on my mission to serve my constituents up until I am allowed. I will, however, not be seeking reelection for a second term in 2024, as my family deserves better than to be under the gun from the press all the time. Public service life was never a goal or a dream, but I stepped up to the occasion when I felt my country needed it most. I will 100 percent continue to maintain my commitment to my conservative values in my remaining time in Congress. One really funny question. Do we even believe he's not running like he filed for reelection a while ago and now he tells us he's not actually going to run? Do we even believe he's not running or is he going to go back on this? Is he never going to actually end the campaign? What is his actual plan? Now, let me be abundantly clear. This decision is about one thing and one thing only, which is the realization that he almost certainly cannot win. His constituents despise him. His constituents despise him. Republican groups in Long Island have denounced him. He is a joke in the halls of Congress. And now, this report that says he was spending do campaign donations on Botox. He was spending it on OnlyFans. Believe me, there are still Trumpists who would continue donating to this guy. But it seems as though he has realized he almost certainly will not win if his view changes and suddenly he comes to think that he might actually have a shot. Will he cancel his cancellation? He almost certainly will. But really taking a lesson from MAGA Trumpism, remember that this used to be at some point vaguely the party of personal responsibility. Don't blame other people for your actions. He did it all to himself, the lies, the fraud, the deception. And then layered on top of this are, of course, the criminal charges. This guy is facing a couple dozen. It's hard to remember. I know Trump's 91 felonies. This guy, I think, was in the 20s or 30s. 
some number, a couple dozen of felonies, criminal counts here we're talking about. And it's also possible that this guy's going to end up in prison, which, quite frankly, if that's what he deserves. Remember, I don't go around saying lock him up, lock her up. If it is indeed what he deserves, I hope that they throw the book at him. So uh, this could be I mean, it's sort of a Greek tragedy in a sense, uh, kind of like Trumpian stuff. Also, in that probably getting involved in politics was one of the worst business decisions Donald Trump could have made, uh, as he now may lose his ability to uh, operate a business in New York. The tragedy of George Santos, which he says is everyone's fault but his own. Let's see where we end up a year from now and see whether this guy actually ends his campaign. We have a voicemail number. That number is 219-2-DAVID-P. There's a conspiracy theorist, extraordinarily anti-Semitic, extraordinarily anti-Semitic, who calls in with vaccine conspiracies, Jewish conspiracies, etc. He goes by the name Total Control. We haven't heard from him for a while. He called back in. I'm going to warn you about the language in this voicemail. Listen to what this guy is on right now. Yo, Pax, Total Control 871, what's up, man? <laughs> Four, five, still alive, zero shots, zero masks, zero any of that crap, and I'm still alive. All right, tonight I want to talk about what the f*** did you Jews do to the banking system for the uh -oh. little man, you know? Um, Because I understand, you know, guys like you, <laughs> lobby doll. You know, you've got it going on, and I'm sure you've got your own special interest rates, your own special everything, you know. You know, the publicly available interest rates on savings accounts right now are really good. Why would I need some special Jewish interest rate when you can just get 5.25 or even more at normal online FDIC insured banks? Again, this guy's horrible. I mean, disgusting conspiracy theories, but also complete ignorance to the fact that anybody can go and get over 5% right Radiohead creep because you're so special, so special, right? Right. So, you know, I'm sitting here, I'm watching this episode of Little House on the Prairie and granted, you know, because it's a period piece and they go to great details to uh, keep it period. So it's like what the 1800s and the banker quoted them like 2% for their savings account. 2%. Packs, I think you see where I'm going with this whole thing. Man. I have no idea where this guy's going. And, you know, the average, you know, like I said, I get it. I get it. The super rich guys like you got your own special percentage, four or five percent or whatnot. And anybody can get five percent. You don't have to be special. Keep a minimum of 10,000, 1,500,000 minimums and all that jazz. But but for schmucks like me, poor schmoes like me, paycheck to paycheck, you know, who are thinking about squirreling something away. I think it's something like, oh, my God, I, I checked, like, all the banks. Z put it like this. If your interest rate starts with zero, <laughs> then it's it, it, What comes after zero doesn't mean a damn thing. Zero point zero whatever number, you know. Uh, a high interest rate is considered a number after the point. You know, but it still starts with zero. All right. So anyway, this guy thinks I mean, think think about where we are. This anti-vax, anti-mask guy. Happens to also think that the Jews are hiding interest rates above zero point whatever percent from him. But all he needs to do is go to any bank and get a CD or sign up for any online high yield bank account, and he could be getting 5%. There's even CDs in the 6%. Is it the Jews hiding the information from him? Or do we simply have a crisis of lack of personal financial knowledge? And into that, you dump the anti-Semitism. Sad stuff. Sad stuff. We've got a great bonus show for you today. Texas is pushing some textbook publishers to remove material on fossil fuels. We have new January 6th videos released that are launching some wild new conspiracy theories from the far right. And Marjorie Taylor Greene is furious, furious over the failure to impeach President Joe Biden. 
it might be nice to have something to impeach him for. I know that that's crazy. I know that that's such 1995 thinking or whatever, but it might be nice. And Marjorie Taylor Greene is furious. All of those stories and more on today's bonus show. I hope you'll join me there. You can sign up at joinpacman.com and you will get instant access.